Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, Peter Van Onselen brings ratings to the project but then makes headlines as an employee takes 10 to court and makes explosive claims against him. Are honest opinions actually allowed on TV anymore? Whoopi Goldberg becomes the latest to feel social media's wrath. And they're off and racing. The big shows are back and the ratings are in. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is back. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. And it's a big 2022 welcome to the people who make TV Black Box. Sarah Monaghan is on the line from Florida. Hello, Sarah. I'm actually in Texas and it's an hour earlier. (laughs) Oh no, so it's 3am. It is 3am and it's dark and we're about to be hit by a winter storm. All I can say is you must love me. Yeah. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> Aaron Ryan is all the way over in Perth. Hello, Aaron. It's not 3am there, is it? Definitely not. Hello, gorgeous people. It's nice to be back. And I received an email this week asking when the podcast is coming back because they really miss Sarah. No offence taken. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, lovely. Great. <laughs> and joining us from New South Wales, somewhere in New South Wales, is Malk. Are you on the central coast, Malk? Or where are you at, as you beam to us tonight? No, no, I'm in Florida, Rob. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome, everyone. (laughs) Fabulous. Uh, Robbo will be joining us in a couple of weeks. It is so great to be back and to be able to talk all things TV. So let's get into it. It was the article that created a fiery on-air discussion and a viral moment for the project. Panellist and political journalist Peter Van Onselen came head-to-head with guest Amy Ramakis and co-host Kiri Backmore over his opinion piece on Grace Tame's interaction with the Prime Minister. Here's just a small snippet of that seven-minute conversation. Uh, it seems to have made a few men uncomfortable, including you, PVO, mm. who felt the need to write an article today um, telling Grace how you believe she should have acted today. First of all, why do you feel the need to tell Grace how she should have behaved? But second of all, why should she stand there and smile and pretend it's all okay when there is an absolute catastrophe? Oh, I, on I the didn't cards think she here? should stand there and smile and pretend it's okay. I just thought she shouldn't go. I don't have a problem with her having a problem with Scott Morrison. Why did you write it? I, I, I why just did think, you write it? I think it's juvenile to respond that way. But I just why don't... not write an article about what she's achieved this year? I've written a lot about these issues, and I think she's achieved a lot. I don't agree with everything that she's done. 
Peter Van Onselen has since said that while he stands by his opinion, writing the article wasn't necessary. The interaction went viral with over a million views on Twitter and now Beverly McGarvey, Executive Vice President and Chief Content Officer of Viacom CBS Australia, has hinted that we may see more of these robust conversations on the project. Speaking to The Australian, she said she welcomed the diverse range of voices who had their own opinions. Malk, we spoke a lot last year about the struggling rate of the project is this what the show needs to turn it all around it it i'll tell you what it doesn't need rob and it doesn't need confected outrage and for beverly mcgarvey to come out and suggest that you know that there should there'll be more of this in i I know it's a fine line right because she's saying that we want to try and provide the space for these kinds of head-to-head clashes and conversations and awkward Moments and look, it was great to hear from Carrie Bickmore, Carrie Bickmore and, and Amy uh, Ramikas, particularly on this and and holding Peter Van Onsel into account. To say that this is what we're going to do more of suggests that we're going to set it up, and that's not going to help it. You know, if all of a sudden you've got Steve Price versus uh, you know Sally Rugg as an example, everyone knows that they're just there to have an argument. You know, I took it differently, Malk. I didn't take it as confecting outrage. I took it that they might allow the show to breathe a bit. Because, to me, the strongest element of the project is when the hosts actually have a conversation. And if you remember that night when the EVS went down, their playback machine, and they had no stories, and they talked for an hour... It was compelling. These guys have insightful, intelligent discussions. I would watch the project if they had more discussions. And if you think about Studio 10 when it had its panel show, when it was the five panellists talking, it wasn't confected outrage, but you had different people with different views and sometimes they led to robust discussions and viral moments. I applaud the idea that they might allow that to happen. The challenge is always going to be, Rob, that if if they're going to rely... Look, actually, I'll wheel this back. There are lots of people who I think we could hear interesting conversations from. Like, in theory, that's kind of what a whole bunch of shows are built on. You know, here's important people who have views and we want to hear what they have to say. News done differently isn't the outrage of the moment. Sarah, do you think it was a planned attack on Van Onselen through the project production team? I don't. I think that it just happened organically because the guy's a dickhead and he said something stupid and thankfully the women actually stood up to him. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think he's what he wrote in the paper needed to be written at all. Like, that was just stupid. But I am so Why? grateful. He that- writes opinion pieces. This idea that he can't write what he thinks, why did he need to write it? That's literally what he's paid to do in The Australian. He's paid to be a political... It's just, you're picking on someone. Like, I don't get involved in Australian politics because I don't live there. But here's a guy, here's a Prime Minister who had hundreds of women out the front of Parliament who had the chance to do the right thing, and he chose not to speak to women. He chose to ignore the fact that a woman was raped in Parliament House. He had to ask his wife, is this, is this not a good thing? So when a, a person who wins the Australian of the Year based on the platform of speaking up for women and people who've been victimised is in a room with a guy who should be the head of getting shit done 
and changing things. Like when, thankfully, when I came out, Julia Gillard was prime minister and there was a royal commission into child abuse afterwards. And that's not from me, but that just happened. But here's a guy who was in charge. He did nothing. Why should she pretend to be nice to him? Do you know, we're a TV podcast, and I, I think it's fair that you've made that comment because you've got a lot of history in here about that. Um, I think our job here is to focus on the the media side of things and not whether she was right or wrong. But she created kind of a stuff. lot of media. She created 100%. a shit ton of media, and she had 24 hours left as Australian of the Year. So she took that 24 hours and she ran with it. She made a point. Everyone had an opinion about it. The media was flooded. You know, mm. it made news in the U.S. Um, mm. But and, and, and then back to the panel, but it's, they need to have people with all opinions, not just like, you know, like you look at The View and some of the American shows, it's four liberals and then one conservative. Yeah. And they all just attack each other. I think they need to have someone from, you know, a little bit of the entire spectrum so that it is, well, they're missing, it is discussed. The project is missing the right. And, and I guess that's what Steve Price brings when he's on it. But um, it's very far to the left, and maybe that's the audience they're going for. The problem is that audience is not watching television. And it wasn't just that moment on the project that landed PBO in the headlines this week after a statement of claim against Network 10 filed to the federal court named the political editor. Reporter Tegan George claims the network breached her general protections under fair work laws. She alleges Peter Van Onselen's conduct was belittling and passive-aggressive and that his bullying and offensive conduct had a corrosive and devastating impact on her mental health. She also alleges that she was told by the network's executive editor, Anthony Murdoch, that Peter is batshit crazy, but we just have to get used to it. Peter Van Onselen spoke to Virginia Trioli on ABC Radio. But I do need to ask you this, which doesn't go to the substance. Sure. If we put these claims against you together with your firm support of an old friend, Christian Porter, in the face of mm. serious allegations, which he vehemently denies, and then we add to that the criticism you made of Grace Tame that you then said you shouldn't have written, if the PM has a woman problem, do you as well? Well, actually, on this one, uh, this statement, which has you know, been, been leaked publicly, one of the complaints is that I didn't tolerate uh, a, if you like, non-cooperation with an incident that involved alleged sexual harassment within the office. And part of the complaint, as I've read in the papers, is that I was, you know, if you like, demanding that, that details happen about that, which, uh, you know, which, which would suggest the exact opposite. Uh, so you, so you, you're saying you, you don't have a woman problem, you're saying? No, no, absolutely not. Ten has declined to comment. Aaron, I find this one really interesting. He said that, um, you know, this has been leaked by the reporters, uh, the camp, her lawyers, uh, considering he's just made headlines for having leaked texts against the Prime Minister. I do not have a problem with this lady leaking anything because I know how Network 10 works and I know that they will leak against anyone taking them on in court and I can tell you that from personal experience. Yeah, this is a hard one. It's very hard to give an opinion on something like this when you have your, you know, you've had your own lived experience with senior management at 10. I mean, George says lack of clear chain of command, conflicting instructions, rude and hostile. 
There have been other media reports about a toxic environment at 10. I can relate to this on a personal level um, and from first-hand accounts. And it's always for the most senior, the most high senior management, um, because by all accounts, including myself, the general staff at, at 10 are great. So when someone brings these kinds of things up and says that this is happening with senior management at 10, it's, it's just very easy to believe. Well, one of the interesting things here is this is a woke network, Sarah. And I'm not saying that as a negative, but they're positioning themselves as pro-female, pro-diversity, pro-minority. And yet everything they've done when it comes to the treatment of employees has not been great. And obviously, I think everyone who listens to this podcast knows my history. So if you want to just write me off as a disgruntled ex-employee, yeah, go for your life. But what I'm saying here is that we've seen multiple rounds of redundancies where long-term staffers were treated with almost contempt. Um, I think the network has a problem here with how they treat their staff when it comes to the realities of looking after people. Yeah, and I read something in there where they said that everybody had to help him with his brand. And it's yes. like, why did they pick one person for for their brand mm. um, and everybody else had to just bow down and, you know, help this one guy? Like, everybody should be helping everybody. And especially if you are a woke network, it should be about everybody and the kumbaya feeling of, you know, we all matter. <laughs> um, not just, you know, here's this one guy who is maybe they're rethinking this week about whether we really want to be promoting his brand. Um, but yeah, like uh, just, you know, just be nice to everyone. This is going to be a very interesting court case and people are rallying around this lady. Uh, $10,000 has been raised already to help with her legal fees. There is a um, nice. very high profile campaign to help her pay her legal fees. Well, Malk, I just want to give you the last word on this because I saw you rolling your eyes as soon as I mentioned the word woke. Uh, <laughs> let's just say whatever you want to say here. <laughs> 10 did come out and say that they were going to be uh, more actively engaged uh, around being more diverse, around ensuring that they were looking to a gender balance within their employment and all of those sorts of things. Um, if that's woke, I mean, what ifs? I didn't say it as a negative. I made that point. But it is a term where I've you understand what we're talking about. not used as a negative. I'll, I'll take your, your honesty in that. Um, the, the challenge for 10 is that if, if that's the talk you're talking, you have to walk that walk and not just publicly mm. it has to be yeah. behind closed doors and this um complaint from tegan george who is an absolute uh, like an amazing journalist uh, i've been fortunate enough to meet her and have a chat with her before uh and for for T, she's made of tough stuff for her to say that this affected her mental health there's some serious stuff flying around in the midst yeah. of this um the the inference that it was leaked by Peter Van Onselen, Van Onselen is, it's not a leak. It was released with the approval of the litigant. End of case. Like, that's yeah. just how the, how it all works. It will be an incredible story, and I can guarantee that Ten will do their absolute best to keep every part of it hush-hush. They will take it all the way until the very last week when it's about to go to court. Then they'll probably settle uh, I'm speaking from experience, and they will try to drag this young lady through the mud, but it will not stick, and um, the media is no doubt on her side. You can see that already, and especially with PVO has put off a lot of people over the Grace Tame stuff, and so there is a whole movement out there within the journalism com community who 
you know, I don't want to say want to bring him down. It almost sort of does feel that way, though. Um, but they're certainly going to get behind uh, this lady and and support her, that's for sure. Tegan has heaps of support, and, and that's quite right that she should do because she has worked her absolute ass off to get into the position that she was in. Yep. And I can tell you something else, too. I know for a fact that ex-staff, former staff at Channel 10, are ready and willing to go on the record and support her in a court case. I know this for a fact. All right. Former TV star Andrew O'Keefe has been refused bail after being charged with assault last week for the third time in the past 12 months. Charges were dismissed in the first case on mental health grounds and the second case is still ongoing. Last week, the court heard details of O'Keefe's mental health issues and an alleged drug addiction. Radio host Ben Fordham spoke on his 2GB breakfast show about the star. And now he stands accused. Accused of violently assaulting women three times in 12 months. Andrew, get off the drugs and start practising what you preach. I don't care if you've got an OAM or you wear a white ribbon or if you're addicted to drugs. People who attack women are scum of the earth. No excuse. There never is. And the only way of keeping others safe is by locking up lunatics who go around bashing women. Well, last night he was behind bars, and that's where Andrew O'Keefe belongs. The case is due to return to court on February 4th. Sarah, violence like this is never okay, but do we need to be more understanding of his situation? We saw that post by... I think most people listening to this podcast would know Kelly Black. She's a very famous PR person. She did what was a very honest and heartfelt post about this situation and and, and this is not the man she knows. I've got to be honest, it's not the man I know. He does have to be held accountable for his actions, of course. But this drug is a nasty drug and it changes people. So don't do drugs. Simple. Um, I just, I think that's it. Like you, like we just finished Breaking Bad, and I look at how they're like making drugs, and I'm like, why would you want to put that in your body? Like, just don't do the drugs. Don't. I think that women. I think that's a very simple thing. You know, like telling people who are addicted just not to do it is not an answer. Okay, then don't be an ambassador for women's violence, um, and then beat women. Yeah. I mean. It's just, and and that's the thing, like, so many people who act like they're angels and then, you know, they're actually demons behind the scenes, you see it all the time. Normally, whatever they're the worst at is what they're, you know, pretending publicly to be the most against. So, I mean, maybe, you know, some women think that he's lovely and he doesn't beat them, but that doesn't mean he hasn't done it to other people in the past and we'll just wait and see if anybody else comes out because I'm sure that now he's in court all the dirty laundry will come out if there is any. Yeah, and these are allegations. We can't take it as fact that this has happened. And, look, I think one of the hardest things for me, Mark, was seeing those scenes where he was in the back of the paddy wagon and the way he was going off, it just wasn't the man I know. And I know that you can say don't do drugs, but he was on something pretty powerful that he wasn't the Andrew O'Keefe that I have personally worked with, the men I've gotten to know. And I do not want to have anyone take away from this that I 
and coming up with excuses for his alleged behaviour because I think it's deplorable and he must face the full force of the law. I'm just saying that I don't think anything in this life is black and white and drugs change people. Absolutely. They, they absolutely do. Drugs are a, a horrendous scourge on our society. They ruin families. They ruin lives, as we're seeing play out uh, in the media in, in Andrew O'Keefe's case. Uh, it, it's he, he has a long road ahead of him, no matter how this plays out. Oh, like his career's dead. There, well, there's there's no question about that. I, I don't I don't recall there being any claims around him being violent towards women while he was involved with White Ribbon, um, and certainly there have been claims subsequent to him, you know, ending his relationship with White Ribbon Australia. Um, violence against women is not acceptable in any case. Um, I just want to, I guess, cut him some slack if we want to call it that. That while he was championing the cause uh, to ensure that there was no violence against women. Seemingly, he wasn't doing it, and he was clean. But, I mean, who knows? We don't know the, the inside on that. It's it's a horrendous situation for everybody involved. The, the woman that was assaulted, um, for Andrew and, and the people that care for him and, and what's now going to happen to him, I hope he is able to get um, the help that he needs to get off the, the drugs, and I... I hope that as a part of that, he's then able to deal with and address the consequences of his actions. Um, it, you don't you don't get to divorce your actions from yourself or from the consequences just because you were on drugs. That's going to be so so difficult. It's such a mess. And and as a neat postscript, I just thought it was a lovely piece of AM radio from Ben Fordham there, to in the middle of his thing to tell Andrew, Andrew, get off the drugs. Like Andrew was listening <laughs> to him, and like that would be Ben's the thing always that full of good advice. Mate, full of good advice. Thanks for listening, Forda. Rob, I just wanted to say, as someone that um, has had a sibling that has passed away from a drug overdose, it's actually okay to be conflicted. You don't need to be in the camp that says, you know, violence is bad, you know, to women, you know, as opposed to, you know, feel sorry for someone on drugs. It's actually okay to feel both. Um, You know, when people are on drugs, it's actually sad. I've watched my sister change a lot. But the consequences of their actions and, and what they do have to be held into account as well. So um, I actually feel on, on both sides, and I think it's okay to, to be on both sides, so to speak. It's, it, it's, it's sad and, and deplorable yeah. what he's done. Thank you for sharing that, Aaron. TV presenter James Matheson has taken issue with Nine's broadcast of the Australian Open, in particular the post-match celebrations. After her win on Saturday night's grand final, Ash Barty was given a beer to enjoy with the panel, which prompted this tweet from Matheson. Our glorification and glamorisation of alcohol in this country is normalised to the point where we can't even celebrate success without booze on live TV. It's bizarre. Imagine if this was in Canada and the broadcaster hoisted a joint onto their new champion. Of course, uh, marijuana is legal in Canada and that's the point he's making. Um, Aaron, what do you think? Should broadcasters be encouraging this? I did not have a problem with this moment at all. It's the way Australia was feeling. We like a drink in this country. Yes, there are problems with alcohol. We acknowledge that. But Jesus Christ, can't we just have one celebration where we can have a beer, have a drink? She didn't go out of control. She didn't sit there and get pissed all night or anything like that. She had a drink 
after one of the most amazing matches, one of the most amazing performances. Come on. Look, I'm going to ruin your party, Rob. I 100% agree with James Matheson. But, oh. but in principle, I mean, I wouldn't slam Channel 9 for this. I mean, they weren't part of it and they're just having a drink after. But I just think it's a bigger issue. We do glamorise alcohol in this country. Literally, drinks after work, uh, weddings, birthdays, farewells, sporting events, um, you know, on television, the, the champagne, the motorsport. TV be reflective of our culture? That is our culture. Yeah, but it's not a very good culture. And now young people that watch this associate alcohol with absolutely everything in this country. Um, and I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem, seem For right. For this whole thing, Mulk, to be made a big deal of that she had a drink does my head in. And sorry, Aaron, we don't disagree on much, but this one we do, my friend. I think uh, somebody must have been doing dry January and was a little upset that they saw <laughs> we're in We're in an interesting predicament. In Australia, gambling and alcohol are legal addictions. Um, I acknowledge that there is nothing wrong in just having a beer. If you are of legal age, I'm not going to argue with you around that. If you want to have, a, if Ash Buddy wants to have a beer to celebrate, that's fine. I, I absolutely take Matho's point that as the most people in Australia that will watch a single television program were probably watching at that moment. And the idea that it has to be celebrated with alcohol is a falsehood. It's something that we have developed and generated within our culture, and it is to our detriment. I just think this has been overblown beyond doubt. It was a nice moment. Anyway, to the ratings race now, and this week saw the return of three huge reality tenpoles. On Monday, Married at First Sight took out the top spot with nine, with 869,000, followed by Survivor on ten with 608,000 and in third place was The Voice Generations on 7 with 529,000. And then on Tuesday, while math stayed relatively consistent with 862,000, Survivor slipped into third place with 492,000. That's its lowest figures ever. And The Voice Generations also dropped in numbers, but it moved into position number two and beat out Survivor with half a million viewers. Both nights saw Nine win the primary channel and network share, followed by Seven and then Ten in third place. Aaron, numbers across the board were pretty low for these reality shows in comparison to previous years. Is free-to-air TV continuing to lose those numbers or are people watching it in a different way and more so on catch-up? Yeah, I guess we'll see those results in a week. I think a lot more people are watching things on catch-up. I know I, I certainly do. I think with the ratings that have just come out, I think it's pretty much as expected. Nine, we're going to roll that maths and with the biggest audience. Uh, Ten, we're going to roll that Survivor to decent ratings. Although, as you said, I wasn't expecting that big drop for episode two. So hopefully it picks up. And Seven didn't want to roll over for one week, um, you know, with the bridge between the Olympics. And so they did this sort of stunt with the voice gener generations that... It rated okay. Uh, maybe they were expecting a bit higher, but um, it'd be interesting to see what the Olympic results are because they are going wall-to-wall -wall, uh, starting next week, except for the chase and um, home and away. Malk, is this a concern for 10 with Survivor? They've put it up front. They've moved its um, position and up against Maths, the might of Maths, we all thought, oh, good move, 10. It's in second position. But... Uh, now beginning to struggle and we're only judging by night two in fairness it could lift and 
go gangbusters, but it's a worry. Uh, look, I, I think in 2022, if you're just judging it off overnights, you're being premature. Um, and yep. and uh, the, the figures that we'll get in the Con 7 uh, next week for Monday and two, for these week's episodes will probably reveal that lots of people watch Survivor on Catch-Up and watch Maps yeah. Live. I mean, I don't know that for yep. sure. I can absolutely tell you that I've seen all of this week's Maps and I'm consuming um, uh, the Australian Survivor as quickly as it'll be broadcast. And it is the best season of Australian Survivor yet. It is absolutely outrageously good. Right. Um, and not, And it's not just the casting, it's the... I don't know, maybe it's the change in set. Whatever it is, they've really, really ramped that up. It is doing good business in the way it's presenting itself. So that that's a real challenge. The The stuff that is to come... Look, both Survivor and Merit at First Sight are marathons, right? We're going to get 40-odd, you know, well, at least 40-odd out of Merit at First Sight and probably, what, 20-something out of um, Australian Survivor. And they'll, you know, troll through while the Olympics are on. So you'll have your fair choices. It's it's going to be very telling this year because we saw that last year, for the first time, streaming became the number one means of viewing television in Australia for the first time. It overtook broadcast linear broadcast TV. Uh, that's only going to grow and the other is only going to shrink. And when, from a linear broadcast point of view, all you're leaning on is news and sport and reality, I mean, they can only do so much, right? Yeah, and, and that shows you why the networks are now pushing for smart TVs to have their streaming apps first up before the Netflixes and what the like. What a load of rubbish that is, too. Goodness gracious. Oh, they give it a go. And, and look, we should just quickly acknowledge, you know, the tennis. Amazing figures for nine. The, <laughs> just casually, um, the, the tennis. Um, the, those, that night with the doubles final and, and the women's final, 78, uh, 78.6% total people. I mean... It doesn't get much better than that, does it? We haven't seen numbers like that in literally decades. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Probably, I'm going to put it out there, probably since the Australian, like the Sydney Olympics, we haven't seen that kind of share. I I reckon that the Ash Barty uh, match will be the most watched program in 2022. You would think so. so. Tough luck to everybody else that's coming down the pipe. <laughs> and I think I think the only other thing to say is the fact that Seven are interested in getting getting it back. Of uh, course, obviously they are. Is, is no surprise. They were dream ratings from Nine, absolutely dream. What a year for them to have it. All right, Whoopi Goldberg has been suspended from the View effective immediately for two weeks following controversial comments she made about the Holocaust. Well, also, if you're yeah. going to do this, then let's be truthful about it, because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. No. It's well, not about maybe race. Maybe it, yeah, no, it's a different it, race. But it's, it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but it's not, it's not about and, ideal and race. It's them, but these are two Roma. white groups of people. Well, they How do we have to blame them? But you're missing homosexual. the point. You're yeah. missing the point. Yeah. The minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. Well, this became viral. There was outrage. And Whoopi then apologised the following day. 
I said something that I feel a responsibility for not leaving unexamined because my words upset so many people, which was never my intention. And I understand why now. And for that, I am deeply, deeply grateful because the information I got was really helpful and help me understand some different things. And while discussing how a Tennessee school board unanimously, unanimously voted to remove a graphic novel about the Holocaust, I said that the Holocaust wasn't about race and it was instead about man's inhumanity to man. But it is indeed about race because Hitler and the Nazis considered Jews to be an inferior race. Now words matter and mine are no exception. I regret my comments as I said and I stand corrected. I also stand with the Jewish people as they know. In a note to staffers, ABC News President Kim Goodwin stated, words matter and we must be cognizant of the impact our words have. While Whoopi has apologised, I've asked her to take time to reflect and learn the impact of her comments. Um, Aaron, she apologised that night on Twitter and then the following day. I've got to say, you might as well pull the talk off air now because you're not allowed to have opinions. I am just gobsmacked that you can have a show where people are paid to give their opinions. You know what? Maybe she got it wrong. She did. She's learnt. She apologised. She had an open conversation. Why the hell does she have to be suspended for two weeks for giving her opinion on an opinion panel show? Rob, I'm going to get on my high horse right now and absolutely agree with you. This is a talk show where opinions are the foundation and cornerstone of the DNA of that show. Yeah. Education is sometimes made through dumb comments, lack of research, lack of understanding, and together we can talk things out like they've done on the project. We can, we can be educated, we can talk. She's backtracked, she's apologised, and this is how we actually learn. We don't go on a talk show, make a comment, and then suspend someone for making those views. It just doesn't help in education. She probably won't speak about anything major ever again. It is a talk show. She made comments. She then got some more understanding, some more research, and, 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 and talked that through. She definitely, definitely should not have been suspended. Welcome to 2022, yeah. where you're only allowed to give the correct opinion. Yeah. And yes. it has to follow the mandated, yes. you know, whatever this week's yep. preferred opinion is. Yes. Um, Whoopi who has had other people, you know, booted off air because she didn't agree with their opinion. I guess they're finally now, and let's face it, most networks in the U.S. are owned by Jewish people, and they did not appreciate. And then the other thing is she said, like, she went on Colbert, and she also did an apology on Colbert, and she said in her perspective as a black woman in America, she doesn't see two sets of white people as being different races. And it's true, like right now in America, racism is purely a black and white issue. And the only people that are racist are white people. I, I think that's a naive view people. of hers, but it does not mean she can't be educated and she can't right. be have that conversation and, play out on the air. And everybody can only have their opinion or their thoughts based on their own cultural upbringing, what they've been exposed to, what they know. And until you say something, you know, that people don't agree with and you have that discussion, you don't learn. And that's how we learn. Like exactly. people like are now discussing, you know, 
what is the Nazi Holocaust, especially since America is going through this terrible Fahrenheit 451 moment where we're just taking all the, all the books. But the thing is, suspending her is stupid because we've all learned something from it and now they're just going to have the other four bitchy women on there screaming at each other. <laughs> Who will all be too scared to say anything and this is the problem with those talk shows. You start removing people over an opinion, where does it stop? Don't have opinion shows if you don't like opinions. Coming up, Sarah will bring us the latest Hatches and Dispatches, plus the programmers from the commercial networks revealed their plans for 2022. And there are some surprises in there. You're listening to TV Black Bucks. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Now it's time for me and Hatches and Dispatches. No, you don't need to say me. Just say, and now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches. Yeah, but it's more fun that way. <laughs> and now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with me, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Couldn't help yourself. You just threw yourself. That's amazing. Two-week suspension. <laughs> <laughs> Tennis legend Jim Courier and presenter Layla McKinnon will co-host this year's season of Australian Ninja Warrior. They replaced Ben Fordham and Rebecca Madden, who hosted the show since it began in 2017. After 25 years with the network, AFL legend Shane Crawford has revealed he has left Channel 9, citing heading in a different direction. His work at Nine has spanned across programs such as The Footy Show, Today, Sports Sunday and Postcards, and Australian Ninja Warrior. Interior designer and stylist Juliet Love is joining the Better Homes and Gardens team for its 28th season this year after first appearing as a guest presenter in 2021. Mike Whitney has hosted his final Sydney Weekender, retiring after 27 years. Taking over from the veteran TV host is former Olympian and Seven News Sports presenter Matt Shervington. Seven News Perth presenters Susanna Carr and Rick Arden have earned a Guinness World Record for the longest-serving TV news anchor duo in the world. The first live broadcast was in January 1985, totaling 36 years together. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. And now to the big issue. TV Tonight has posted their annual programming wrap. So let's break down the highlights from each network. Starting with Channel 9, where Married at First Sight has kicked off Q1. Lego Masters will be back on our screens in Q2, as will Australian Ninja Warrior, which commences filming in coming weeks. Celebrity Apprentice and Beauty and the Geek will also be coming back, and the block Tree Change will premiere in the second half of the year. Commissions have not yet been made for a second season of Parental Guidance and no decisions have been announced for Love Island Australia and The Weakest Link. Alright, then we move on to Channel 7 where Q1 includes the Winter Olympics, The Voice Generations, SAS Australia and Dancing with the Stars. 
Big Brother will be returning in Q2 with a mixture of new cast and returning favourites. However, Big Brother VIP has been canned. Farmer Wants a Wife will be back in Q2 as well. The Voice will return mid-year and kicking off the second half of the year will be the rebooted version of My Kitchen Rules. After being cancelled due to COVID, Seven are also optimistic Australia's Got Talent will return and are hopeful the reboot of Australian Idol will be viable. And finally, Channel 10, having just kicked off with Survivor, Blood vs Water, will launch new panel show Would I Lie to You Australia shortly. There will be two new Gogglebox seasons, the first beginning in March. Q2 will include MasterChef, Foodies vs Favourites, Have You Been Paying Attention and The Cheap Seats are both returning and will screen in tandem. The Bachelor and Season 2 of Five Bedrooms will air in Q3. Also returning will be The Bachelorette, The Masked Singer and Amazing Race Australia, which will feature international destinations once again. New series Hunted will also be premiering later in the year. How to Stay Married and The Cube will not be returning, and both Territory Cops and Bondi Rescue have not been confirmed. Mulk, did any of those announcements surprise or excite you? Not, not in the way that it's played out. I mean, a lot of that is consistent with their upfront uh, announcements from last year. Yep. So that's that's good, and and I'm keen to see uh, some of the new programs and what that is going to look like. I the the promos that are coming out of Would I Lie to You Australia, I really want it to work. I, I am it's not going highly sceptical, but I really uh, want I mean, it to work. When they announced that one, Mulk, it had stinker written all over it. And I really, I'm not being critical of what network it's on, who's hosting it or who's in it. I just think it's wallpaper. If that, it, and that's going to be the problem. Like the, the, the reason why you would want to watch that is entirely personality driven. And yep. I, I'm, apart from a couple of people that I've seen in the promos, not super convinced that they've picked the right personalities. Um, we'll, yep. we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm, I'm very keen to see the block tree change because a friend of mine actually just moved out of Gisborne where it's being filmed. So I'm reasonably familiar with the area and he has given me a whole bunch of inside information about how much the local tradies are champing at the bit to get involved in that program. Um, and and the, the, the chaos that it's already bought just as they are preparing the site. Yeah. Um, it's, it's horrendous. Uh, also for the fact that Scott is going to be building a house at the same time as the rest of the contestants. I think that's a, an interesting twist to the format. Um, Lego Masters can't come back quick enough for mine, just as a by the way. That's, that has really proven to be solid gold television and in this house is must-watch for everybody, uh, which is rare with a 16 and a 14-year-old. Um, I'm, I'm really keen to see how Seven drop in these long-promised new things. I, I think that my, my Kitchen Rules has a massive hurdle to overcome, and it will be great to see if they can do that. Um, and I think that Australian Idol, look, again, like most things, I'm, I'm going to be positive about it. I'm not sure it's going to work, but let's hope they can give it some you know, credence to do what it could be and what it should be. I'm, I'm optimistic about the 2022 year. I'm just disappointed there's not as much drama. It's funny, Aaron. Rumours are really starting to mount that The Bachelor is getting the chop. So I think 2023 is going to be very interesting. Uh, it will want to work this year for 10. I, I'm genuinely already hearing these rumours. I don't know how firm they are, 
but my sources are saying it is definitely on the chopping block, which would make sense. I think the whole franchise needs a rest. Um, I think the other thing that's coming through to me, Aaron, is the idea that uh, these spin-off versions of shows are not resonating with audiences, and that's why we're seeing Big Brother VIP cut. We're seeing that with the voice generations. Well, at least on Monday night, but it has picked up steam a little bit, 500,000 on Tuesday night, if you can call that picking up steam. But uh, I I think people want the originals. I, I, um, Big Brother, uh, fans versus favourites, or whatever they're calling the celebrities... Um, I'm just so thrilled Reggie's in it. Uh, the you know the people have been crying out for that. So I think that's one version that will work. But at the end of the day, the, it's like um, uh, we just want the shows that we like, not them, not the networks trying to cash in on these shows with all these extra versions. Yeah, look, I think there's some positive and negative things with ten. I mean. Starting with a negative, what you're saying, you know, they've got The Bachelor, which is which is a problem. And I think they acknowledge that on, on TV tonight, saying, you know, they may have to change up the format or whatever it is that they need to do. The other thing, of course, is the 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. slot. And, of course, The Woeful. I mean, we haven't mentioned it, and we could go on forever, but the soccer, it is woeful. SBS are outrating it most weeks. It is a, a big, big hole in there. It's, but, but Aaron... This is not a surprise. Like, seriously, when they made this announcement, it was just like, uh, are you you getting this for free? Maybe that's why you do it, but you're not. We know you're paying for it. And it's just, I mean, it it was never going to work. Never. I think we... You know, we didn't know that. It wasn't even rating well on SBS or ABC, but when, when they had the soccer back then. But on the positive with 10, they do have a, a good range of programs. I think rather than just putting dead air between Q1 and have you been paying attention, they are putting uh, Would I Lie to You in there. That's something. Survivor, The Amazing Race, MasterChef. Their factuals are, are going okay as well. The Doghouse did well. Ambulance, First first Dates, Gogglebox. Um, and, of course, they've got a couple of Australian dramas. Five Bedrooms will be airing on 10. By the way, like I said it would when everyone said, no, it will <laughs> never, never, ever screen on 10. I said, well... Yeah, it will. But um, so that that is coming coming as well. So I think overall, ten do actually have a good good lot of programs. I think with nine, they have a whole heap of consistency, and they're returning all of their all of their shows from last year that they know that work. So they should work again. And they've got some interesting, um, a couple of dramas. That one with Magda Sabansky actually looks quite good and a little bit different. So I think they'll, they'll maintain their share for this year. And I think the same with seven. They're returning all of their hits. Um, returning all their shows, that they may be able to bring in things like Australia's Got Talent and Australian Idol and whatever else they had on the shelf that may air this year. I think the big difference between seven and nine this year is seven may just get over the line because if you go for the baseline that seven and nine will have the same shares, you know, because of the same shows from last year, I don't think we're going to see any major improvement from Channel 9. They'll stay the same. But with seven, they've got the Winter Olympics. They've got the Commonwealth Games. I think SAS and um, Dancing with the Stars will do better than what Holy Moly and um, 
Ultimate Tag obviously did this year. Oh, definitely. And then if you then throw in, you know, Australia's Got Talent and, and Australian Idol and they do well, Seven have the chance to improve this year um, as opposed to just staying flat. So I think that might just be the little difference between Seven and Nine. All their shows are coming back consistent, but I think Seven might have the edge with, with some of some improvements. I've got to tell you that big show I'm looking forward to is The Hunted Australia. I oh, think yeah. this has the potential to be one of the most compelling shows of the year and I'm hearing really good things about the production. I, I keep getting words about um, the head investigator. I don't know what they're calling it but I'm hearing that they are really excited about the casting of that guy and he's got a lot of history Um uh, I don't know if it's with the police or, or what section it is, but apparently he's got a All I know is uh, that he's got a lot of history in, you know, that kind of investigation of hunting people down. Um, but he does have a proper official background. He's not just like some bounty hunter or something. He's a proper investigator. So it is going to be very interesting to see how that goes. I'm genuinely, genuinely excited about that. And I think... Uh, I, I think it's the first time in a long time I've been really excited about a new concept for this um, market. You know, I know the show exists in other markets, but it's new for us, Mock. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it lands. Um, And and it's one that I'm also keen to see of the very few new formats that are landing across the year. Yeah. Um, Maybe you guys can help me out. Maybe I didn't read the press release right. In all of the talk around the Amazing Race Australia, there has been no mention that Bo Ryan is hosting it. He's doing it. Okay, because they have they have not shouted about it at all. They haven't mentioned he's returning at host. None of it. In, even at the upfronts, they didn't mention that he was in it. So I am ninety percent confident that he is doing it, and they've even locked in the filming dates. Oh, and and they well they may well have. It was just a surprise to think that on every other show they were talking about that this person here is this person, the host, the host, the host, and the one show that isn't hosted by Osher Ginsburg on 10, they just forget <laughs> to mention who the host is. But maybe when the pre- press release went out, they were still doing the negotiation. Possibly. Maybe they were waiting I mean, to it, see. Oh, look, there, there could be a number of reasons. Because he didn't even mention it. It wasn't mentioned as a part of his time on I'm a Celebrity. That's interesting which I appreciate was pre-filmed probably about the time mm. that his contract negotiation was going through. Yeah. But it was just, just strange to not have that locked in by the time you get to Upfronts. All right, that brings us to the end of our first episode of TV Black Box for 2022. Sarah, it has been so lovely to see you again. Oh, thank you. I can almost see you through my allergy eyes. <laughs> and thankfully, we haven't got long until daylight saving ends and you can... Hopefully you have a more reasonable hour than three o'clock in the morning, you poor thing. Yeah, hopefully it goes back to four, not two. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, Ryan, thank you so much for being with us again on TV Black Box. Thank you very much, Rob. And Mog, where would we be without you? Much shorter episodes, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Rob McKnight. You can find me at Rob underscore McKnight on Twitter. And we will see you next week on TV Black Box. It's the place where people in the TV industry get their news. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.